Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to the James Kennedy Podcast. How you doing? Apologies for missing you gorgeous misfits last week, but I was busy scribbling away on my new book and also recording some new material for that hot chart-topping band, James Kennedy and the Underdogs. That's right, baby. There's going to be some new material coming your way real soon, as well as live shows and all of that good stuff. As I've said before, if you haven't yet joined the awesome Secret Society community, come and join the crew now and get the first scoop on upcoming gig dates, new music, and loads of other cool shit that's going to be happening real soon. Just go to jameskennedystuff.com slash tribe and enter your email address and your city so we know where we've got friends around the place and we'll come and make some noise for you. That's jameskennedystuff.com slash tripe. There's also a link on that page to join the official Secret Society Facebook group too. So you're all welcome in there. Please come and join us. And thanks again to you all for continuing to check out my podcast. I really do appreciate it, man. I appreciate all the, the kind words and the feedback and all the love and support. You guys are awesome. And it, it's what keeps this show afloat. So thank you so much for, uh, for keeping me in doing this thing. I have got an amazing guest coming up really soon for you guys today and there's likely to be a lot of puns on the theme of dogs today because uh, as you may or may not know my autobiography was called noise damage my life as a rock and roll underdog um, which led to my new band being called james kennedy and the underdogs and we have a thing called the dog house which is a fans with flaws scheme that we run with our amazing and generous tribe of misfits around the world who accommodate our sad sorry asses when we're out there on the road doing our thing but the reason I mention all of this is because on the show today, we have got a man who is almost literally the top dog in the world of craft beer and someone who has artfully blended my much-loved punk rock ethic and aesthetic with huge global success in the very crowded beer market to carve out their own thing in their own way. Divisive, most likely, controversial, certainly, and not without their fair share of enemies, but a truly fascinating and wise character who I just know is going to have a lot to give in our conversation today. I'm talking, of course, about Mr. James Watt from the global phenomenon BrewDog. But before we jump in with all four feet... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on any and all platforms. This thing is available everywhere, including Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Stitcher, CastBox, and also on YouTube. So please, 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 if you want to help a brother out, please hit that follow or subscribe button. And if you could give me some stars or a review, it would mean the absolute world. And it would be a huge help in helping me continue to push these conversations out there. You know, I don't have any advertising and I don't get paid to do this thing. So if you're enjoying these conversations and think they are valuable, please give them a share and get involved but now as promised from underdog to alpha dog james watt and his fellow band of pirates at the mighty brew dog are roaring louder than ever and we've got a ton of stuff that i want to get into so let's just get down to business and bring him onto the show mr james watt i know you've got way more important shit to be doing right now than talking to me so i really appreciate you taking the time out to stop in man <laughs> no, uh, good to good to catch up and excited to excited to do it. Me too, man. I mean, how you been doing? Yeah, I'm doing awesome. I'm excited to be the second James and a two James podcast. <laughs> yes, and two Celts as well. A Welshman and a Scotsman. So what could go wrong? I was going to uh, crack open a Black Heart, which is absolutely fucking delicious, by the way. But 11 a.m. is too early even for myself. So I'm going with black coffee instead. I hope that's okay. Um, I've got coffee as well, but I'm sure it's. 5pm somewhere, so I don't think uh, I don't think it's ever too early for a black heart. Oh, yeah, well, you, you twisted my elbow already. Well, what's going on at Brewdog HQ right now, man? You're a busy dude. What's happening? Yeah, uh, super busy. So we're just, uh, it's kind of geeky, but we've just installed a new canning line. So uh, 
I've just been like watching it amazed at the speed it fills cans. So it fills uh, 60,000 cans an hour, 1,000 cans a minute. Wow. And uh, going back to the early days of the company, to fill 1,000 cans used to take us kind of 24 hours. Right. So we can now fill the amount of cans in one minute that took us uh, that took us 24 hours to do back in the, back in the early days. That is awesome, man. I can imagine that that would have been, you know, a very, a very cool nerd fest to be a part of. And, and, and hey, more beer for us as well, you know, so <laughs> everyone's a winner, right? It is insane how far you guys have come in such a relatively short space of time. And long before I was a fan of the beer, which I am 100% a massive fan of, I was a massive fan of the branding and the marketing because your marketing is genius. And I know that you get asked about this all the time, so we don't want to dwell on it too much, but we've got to talk about it, man, because obviously, you know, I'm a musician. I'm from a punk rock aesthetic ethical ethical background myself so you know your 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 messaging and your imagery and your your marketing has always really resonated with me because you know the brew dog brand is very uh, undeniably steeped in punk rock isn't it so where does that come from i mean is that your background or is it just an extension of who you are as a person i think it's a bit of an extension but the thing that we were massively inspired by from the kind of whole punk movement was like to smash the system, you need to be able to exist outside the system. So you need to learn the skills that you need to succeed yourself. So it was that kind of right. DIY, hands-on kind of ethic that, that we just kind of fell in love with. And that's what we've kind of built our business on. So always like try to learn what we what we need to do ourselves, not dependent on the system, not dependent on anything that's outside of us and being happy to kind of live or die on the merits of what we what we do ourselves. And that was the kind of attitude that we've tried to build this thing and i think it's i think it's been good good so far and it's kind of made for a super fun journey as well oh 100 man it's been a fun journey for the rest of us to watch as well i mean your marketing like i said is is just fucking genius it's bang on and that whole you know giving a finger to the to the establishment figures and uh you know just doing things your own way and not giving a fuck you know i love all that man and it clearly is an, an authentic extension of who you are as a person because it would just be impossible to maintain that this this convincingly for this long you know but in order to take what's clearly quite a natural voice for you into the um model of a of packaging a, a product and a business and you know strategies and all that sort of shit did you study and learn any of the technical stuff that you would need to do to convert that natural voice of yours into a brand and a marketing campaign or do you just have a natural talent for this shit um, I didn't, and I'm actually delighted that I didn't. And like, what you find if like people study business too much, or if people are too experienced in a thing, they know exactly how something is supposed to be done. Now, if you're a small company, if you're an upstart, doing things the way things are supposed to be done are going to get you absolutely nowhere because you're competing against companies that are way bigger than you. So I think the fact that we went into this like so naive, I was working on the deck of a North Atlantic fishing boat before yeah. I set up the business. But the fact that we didn't know how things were supposed to be done conventionally meant we had no option but to kind of forge your own path. And in doing so, I think we've come up with a much better way of, of building our business in terms of community ownership, in terms of beers that we make, and in terms of what we do. So that naivety, that lack of knowledge, that lack of experience, I think is actually one of our strongest assets. And I now do a bit of investing in smaller businesses and i'm always excited to back someone that's got not much experience and right. not much knowledge because i think that's how you figure out a way how to circumnavigate a whole market and come up with a new way of doing things 
That is a great point, man. Yeah. And already, you know, you're dropping, you're dropping some pearls of wisdom here, man. I think people can learn from, you know, regardless of the industry that they're in. And speaking of that, I wanted to flip things on their head uh, whilst we're on the subject of punk rock and business. I wanted to ask you how you might approach the sort of change that we had in the music industry if it was in the beer industry. What would happen if all of a sudden overnight, the, the, the product that you sell, the physical tangible product that you sell became a free commodity that literally streamed out of the internet for free which as i'm sure you know is exactly what's happened in the music industry and some artists and some labels have been able to sort of navigate that and others have just sunk so i'd be really interested to hear what somebody from a completely different industry outside of the music industry would 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 potentially manage that problem should you wake up tomorrow and the product that you sell as, as the center of your business suddenly became free that's a fantastic question, and there's a quote that I often share with the team, and the quote comes from Darwinism, and then kind of evolution. It's not the biggest or the strongest or the fastest that prosper. It's the most adaptable. Mm. So that adaptability is hardwired into our DNA as a company, and I'll give you a great example. So when COVID hit, I spent one day in the depth of despair thinking the company was, wasn't going to make it. The next day, I kicked into to action mode. We completely pivoted our distillation business. And within four weeks, we were making hand sanitizer for the NHS when there was a shortage of sanitizer. Wow. All of the bars were closed, but we used our bars as kind of fulfillment centers for our e-com and delivery business. And we 10xed our e-com business within the space of two months. So if I landscapes and markets today change so quickly everything is changing you can't cling to the past Mm. and you've got to change and you've got to adapt and i think the companies that do well long term are the companies that adapt to the inevitable changes every market's going to get disrupted every industry is going to change and the companies that die and go the way like of the dinosaurs are the ones that are reluctant to that change and they don't embrace it and they find fact you've got to embrace change and you've just got to be quick adaptable and nimble in the face of that change Brilliant answer. Yeah, that, that's such a great point. And it was echoed by, um, I had a guy called Brian Slagle from a record company called Metal Blade Records. And they were the label that first discovered Metallica and Slayer, uh, one of the world's largest independent record labels, still going strong 40 years later. And that's exactly what he said. I said, what you see in common with all of the main bands and labels that have stayed afloat this time? And he said, adaptability. He said, the shit's always going to hit the fan. And it's those ones that can adapt and change are going to be the ones that stay, stay, stick around. So yeah, I, I love that, man. A b- beautiful quote as well, because the Darwin quote often gets misrepresented that people say the strongest uh, survival of the strongest and the fittest that's not actually what he said it's exactly no. what you said yeah so I thank you for clarifying that so as a thought experiment then if you weren't um, say you, you got jacked off with Brewdog and you wanted to actually go into the punk rock business and you were, you were managing a punk rock band from scratch what would you do in the I don't know if you know anything at all about the music business but I mean it's damn hard out there at the moment we could use some great minds like yours when in a world where the product is free and every douche in the world has got access to the platforms, you know, so the platform is saturated with every man on his dog and a demo tape, you know. Um, how do us dumbass musicians navigate that world? What would the evil genius of James Watt do if he was managing a punk rock band starting today? So I'm going to caveat this heavily by saying I know very, very little about the music industry. But if I was looking, if it was managing a punk rock band, if it was managing a coffee shop, if it was managing a car wash business, if it was managing a fintech business, whatever, I would always go at it with the same kind of underlying principles. So three principles, very simply. Firstly, you've got to kind of try and be a force for for, for good in terms of what you're doing. So everything is so saturated with people doing similar things. People want something to believe in. The market for something to believe in is infinite. So you've got to try and like do some good 
in terms of what you're doing. Secondly, and this one for me is massively important, you've got to find a way to to disrupt. You've got to find a way to do something different. So if I was managing a punk rock band and if I was just doing exactly the same as every other punk rock band manager out there, I would be a stone cold failure and it would go nowhere and like the success would be limited. I could only ever be a percentage as good as the other people in the industry, which wouldn't interest me at all. So find a way to do things differently. And that often involves taking a risk. But unless you take a risk and are willing to take a substantial risk, you're never going to open yourself up to the possibility of real success. And the biggest risk is not taking a risk at all. So be a force for good, do things differently, take a risk. And thirdly, I think the best businesses kind of today and in the future are going to be so deeply rooted and embedded in community. So that connection of community and like, we don't feel like our brand is ours. We feel it's, it's our fans. Like Rudog belongs to our fans, yeah. our community of 220,000 equity punks. They help us design new beers. They help us find new locations. They're the kind of heart and soul of our business. So I would, um, focus on being a force for good, I would try and do something destructive and I would put community and community ownership at the heart and soul of whatever I did. And that would be the same as if I was managing a punk rock band or any other new business that I might try and, uh, try and give a go. That's awesome. That was, that was actually the next question I was going to ask you. So we ticked two off in one go there. You're fucking flying through it. Um, and what do people do? Because this is the question I've asked a lot of music industry people. So it'd be interesting to get somebody who's had success in business in a totally different industry in a, in, and also quite a saturated market with some heavy players that dominate most of the market. Um, what do people do to get heard above the noise of everybody else doing it? Because there's a lot of talents out there. There's a lot of hardworking motherfuckers out there. But again, they might not be talented in business or marketing. Uh, you guys have been very, very good at blasting yourself into uh, the public consciousness and staying there as well. Um, what can people do? Let, uh, sticking in the music business i know you said you know it's not something you know a lot about but in a, in a predominantly digital world that it's very very saturated what can people do to, to get heard above the noise of everybody else good question so first and foremost let's just assume that the, the kind of base product be it albums be it coffee be it beer be it software I, let's assume like the base product is of like outstanding best in class elevate the category quality so for us, we set out in an industry dominated by global behemoths, thousands and thousands of times our size. We were two humans and a dog with a big mission to make other people's passionate about fantastic beer as, as we as we are. And like all odds on, are on us getting completely lost in that industry. But we haven't done that. And we've now built the 14th most valuable beer brand on the planet which which is which is pretty crazy and um, and our strategy was was very very intentional it's okay so the companies we're competing against spend tens of millions hundreds of millions every year in advertising trying to convince people that cheap mass market lowest common denominator beer is a quality product if we try and spend a tiny amount in advertising we're going to get absolutely lost we've got to find a way to cut through that noise we've got to find a way to get our message out there and we've got to find a way to do that while showcasing what we are passionate about and for us that time and time again came back to okay let's take massive risks let's put everything in the line for what we believe in let's try and move the narrative forward let's try and make sure it's underpinned with the passion that we have and sometimes it can come across quite stunty but i mean it, the intention wasn't for it to be stunty the intention was okay let's do something that gets people thinking and speaking about beer in a different way so we made the strongest beer on the planet yeah. because we want to challenge people's perceptions of what beer it is how it can be enjoyed how it can be savored how it can be made 
and that leads to a very different discussion around about beer. We drove a tank through the streets of London to announce the opening of our Camden yeah. location because with no advertising budget and like a little beer company opens a bar in London, you're going to get no media coverage at all. Like us driving a tank through London celebrating the opening of our bar there made headline news. We hired a helicopter and flew the helicopter and we did this twice over London and New York, um, over the kind of Bank of England and the kind of Wall Street in America. And we had kind of little stuffed cats um, and we threw them out of the helicopter with little parachutes. This was death to the fat cats because we were rejecting <laughs> corporate finance and building a completely, completely new finance model for small businesses. So not taking ourselves too seriously, wearing our heart in our sleeve and be, like, being willing to take a stand. So mm. we took a huge stand against the World Cup in Qatar because we felt that was the right thing to do. Not many companies have the guts to do that. And if you look at most companies, they're so bland, they're so corporate, you don't know who they are, you don't know what they stand for, you don't know what they're about as a business. We wanted to kind of make sure that people knew who we were, what we stand for, how we how we do things. So take risks, take gambles, do things that kind of cut through the noise, which is difficult in a low budget, focus on community and be very clear about who we are and, and what we stand for. And by doing that, we've been able to we've been able to grow in that industry dominated by the kind of mega bucks advertising and, and cut through. And we're now one of the best known beer brands in the in the UK, despite the fact that our competitors over the last twenty years have spent cumulatively probably in excess of two billion on advertising we've spent next to nothing that's so cool man yeah and it certainly worked dude as well i mean like everybody loves the brand i mean even like my mother when i when i said that you were coming on she said oh i love brew dog and then my 96 year old <laughs> grandmother who was also there said oh i love brew dog as well so uh you know you're clearly reaching all all the whole demographics there you know? <laughs> 96 that's a it's a good age oh dude you got you gotta you gotta invent a new drink called a little treble my nan swears that the key to her longevity is whiskey and she calls it a little treble which is basically half a glass of fucking whiskey it's like half a pint but by calling it little it, it implies that it's innocent you know little treble <laughs> i think somebody should tell the scottish whiskey industry about her i think they've like found their next market <laughs> yeah. if, you, if, you, if you want to get to 96 this is the the way to do it <laughs> oh she would love that dude she she'd be more than happy to cash in on that one <laughs> but i yeah you're totally right though man like i the tank thing was absolutely fucking genius i love that idea and i think another thing is that you got to be prepared to make some enemies because i know you guys can be quite divisive at times and you have made you know you, you've 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 gone to quite a lot of flack over the years but you know if we're going to use cool quotes you know to follow on from the darwin quote i mean i love the quote you know a, a man with no enemies is no man at all i mean if you're trying to do some shit you're trying to break into a very monopolized market and you're trying to take on some long-standing behemoths you're going to make some enemies and you're going to piss some people off and i know that you guys have probably made some mistakes and errors of judgment or whatever over the years but coming from where you started from with the resources you didn't have in, in in a system that has been very well established for such a long time with with main players who are very powerful and very deep rooted i suppose it's impossible for that not to happen do you think that's fair yeah I, I, absolutely and we've always been like we've always been quite divisive as a brand we've got some people who absolutely love us and some people who, who don't and for us that's fine because any brand that sets out trying to keep everyone happy is going to be so vanilla so beige so indifferent that you're never going to get people passionate about it and it's almost like unless you have some some haters you're never going to kind of build the army of love which is not flip side of the coin and like mm. some people don't like people being 
successful doing what they love because it makes them feel inadequate and insecure the fact that they're maybe not that successful not doing something they love so right. the natural response is to is to kind of hate and actually we've, we've always taken flack some of it justified we have made mistakes along the journey we're two guys that set up a company when we were 24 we've been so high growth and when companies are that high growth it's difficult to kind of keep all the plates spinning the way right. you want and yeah. sometimes you can't do everything super well so we've made mistakes along the way we've held our hands up when we have made mistakes but i think the amount of flack we sometimes take is definitely disproportionate to the amount of mistakes that we've made as a company it's what it is we know who we are we know what we do we know who our fans are and we just keep keep building our business in the uk and internationally and keep going and it's something that just sometimes happens especially in the uk with with success but yeah, well, you got some powerful enemies as well, and people don't like, you know, when <laughs> people don't like when a new dog turns up on the on the block. You know what I mean? Um, I think that's probably where a lot of the uh, disproportion of that comes from. You know, you've got some pretty pissed off, powerful enemies that had a pretty comfy position at the top of the table, and you guys have come and kicked the fucking the legs of the table away. You know. Um, speaking of those guys and the behemoths, not necessarily in your industry, but I know your life has probably changed significantly now from when you started the business, and you, I'm sure that you mingle in some corporate circles. Um, probably against your will oftentimes. I know that sustainability is a big part of what you guys do and it, it harks back to one of the key principles you mentioned about doing good as a company or, or a band or whatever it may be. So many companies don't. I would I would, I would, would hazard a guess that most don't. Now you've rubbed shoulders with some of these guys, I'm sure. Um, what's your feeling on why they don't? I mean, they've got grandkids too, right? I mean, it, it can't just be greed. What's the reason? So, sadly... And I'm, I'm going to speak about our sustainability journey, then I'll speak about why why they don't care. So we we thought we were doing our bit for the planet. We thought we were doing our bit to kind of help against climate change. And that assumption just came crashing down after I had dinner with Sir David Attenborough just before COVID hit. And after that dinner, I was hit with a blindingly stark realization that we weren't doing nearly enough. And we were part of the problem that our planet is currently facing. And we are walking as humans off the edge of a cliff we're facing an existential climate crisis and we need to w- wake up in huge 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 changes needed across the board not in 2050 not in 2040 not in 2030 like huge changes needed today sometimes scientists think it might already be too late i i don't subscribe to that view i don't think it's too late but we need to make cataclysmic change across the spectrum of what we do as humans on this planet to be able to sur- survive here so on the back of that meeting, and despite our business going through the teeth of COVID, we decided to completely pivot everything we do. So we work with Professor Mike Berners-Lee. He's our kind of lead independent yep. scientific advisor and one of the kind of world leading experts on climate change, carbon footprinting and sustainability. And we became the world's first fully certified carbon negative beer business. That means we take twice the carbon out of the air every single year that we emit. So wow. Anytime someone has one of our beers, our planet has less less carbon. But kind of sitting underneath that, our first focus is on reducing our emissions. So it's good that we remove carbon. We also need to reduce our emissions. We've made huge investments across the business. So we've now got an on-site bioenergy facility that turns our wastewater into biomethane, green gas, which then comes back and powers our system. We're working hard on the electrification of our our vehicle fleet we've got an advanced heat recovery system in our crew house that kind of takes the heat that escapes and then uses that to kind of heat the next batches wow. of batch the beer we're now fully wind powered in the in the uk so huge investments to reduce our footprint and also 
when we count carbon, we count all of the carbon, so including the carbon in our supply chain. Right. At the moment, we work with kind of very high class, high quality removals and offsets. So there's so much noise, there's so much nonsense, there's so much disin- disingenuity in the offset market. So uh, Mike Berners-Lee and his team vets that we usually do most of our work with the Nature Conservancy of, of Canada, which is kind of very sensitive to kind of biodiversity and kind of all those kind of key factors with the removals that we're doing. We also bought um, 10,000 acres in the heart of the Scottish Highlands. So 10,000 acres, it's it's huge. It's bigger than 17 actual countries. Wow. And in the Lost Forest, we, uh, we've now started, but we're planting well over a million trees to take carbon out of the air. So our carbon is our problem, and we are determined to fix it ourselves. Um, we'll have 300,000 trees planted uh, by summer, and we're not just planting trees, we're creating a native, biodiverse, broadleaf woodland habitat and kind of rewilding a key, key part of, key part of Scotland. So that's where we are on our sustainability journey. Um, and I fully believe that to drive the change that we need as, as society, as humans on this planet, the change has got to come from the best progressive businesses working hand in hand with leading scientists. Yeah. I don't think politicians are able to help us here because the timescales they work on for a five-year re-election cycles is incompatible with the pain that we're going to have to take as society to make the changes we need. So it's got to it's got to be business that, that, that drive the change here and business has got a huge responsibility to do it. As to why other companies are not doing enough, the answer is sad and the answer is simple. And the sad, simple answer is at the moment, consumers simply don't care enough about climate change to, and a small pocket of consumers do, and maybe 10 or 20% of consumers make their purchasing decisions based on sustainability. The vast majority of consumers at this moment in time don't care enough, which is going to change at some point in the next five to 10 years. The sooner that changes, the better. And members of the public need to realise they can have way more of an impact when it comes to fighting change, fighting climate change with how they spend their money every single day than how they vote every four or five years. Mm. So consumers need to, and it's a sad thing to say, but ultimately consumers need to care more. And as soon as consumers care more and demand that of companies, the companies will change. But until there's that huge demand from consumers, there's not enough incentive for the big companies who are mostly public, who want to make money for their shareholders, get to make less money if they have to invest in sustainability. So at the moment, they're focused on making money for their shareholders and members of the public. It's going to change, but the vast majority of the public don't care enough yet about sustainability to force big companies to change. All right. That's a very interesting answer and very well put as well. I didn't see that one coming. I thought you were just going to say they're a bunch of greedy yeah. bastards that don't care because they've got, <laughs> they got their underground dungeons with their maids and their robots. They don't care. <laughs> No, so so they care about one thing. They, 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 I mean, they care about their sales, and it's, so the the consumer has got so much power, but also so much responsibility here. Because as soon as the consumer demands that, and as soon as the consumers only starts buying the most sustainable things in the category, everything will have to aspire to that bar. Right. So, like, it's a bizarre thing to say, but how consumers spend their money is one of the key factors, and if we're able to successfully fight climate change on this planet. 
100% yeah, it's a great answer and do you think then I mean you guys answer this question for me uh, but do you think it is possible for all businesses to um, survive and have longevity and, and make profit and, and do all the things that a business needs to do while still being ethical sustainable and not having an army of eight-year-olds in a sweatshop somewhere so in their shit is it is it possible because they say a lot of them say that we wouldn't make any money if we did that it's absolutely possible, but coming back to that adaptability point, it's going to require adaptability. So if they keep doing the same thing, not possible. If they're willing to change, if they're willing to evolve, then absolutely, absolutely possible. But it's that flexibility, it's that nimbleness, it's that willingness to be able to change things that have maybe been done that way for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. However, like we have to make change as society, as individuals, as companies to fight this crisis that we're facing beautiful love it well we are i'm keeping a, a, an eager eye on the clock here and i'm, I'm trying to <laughs> rattle through as many questions as i can whilst i've got you here in front of me so i hope you don't mind the speed that i'm throwing these at you i i uh, i like the speed we've actually got an internal saying in our company that we like to count time in dog years so <laughs> i think any company like speed especially in a small company, like speed is your superpower. Like so many kind of big companies, so many industries mm. are so slow, so bureaucratic. So if a normal company once usually does something in seven days, we want to do it in a day. If a normal company does something in seven weeks, we want to do it in a week. If a normal company does something in seven months, we want to do it in a month. So we love to count time in dog years. And that speed has enabled us to go from two humans and a dog to the 14th most valuable beer brand on the planet in just under 15 years. Amen. Well, you're clearly very comfortable with the speed, so you're, keep, you're keeping me on my toes, on, on my paws. <laughs> Excuse the pun. <laughs> nice. That was, that was bad. That was bad. Well, I want to move away from the sort of marketing and the corporate and the punk rock and down to the personal level because your life, I'm guessing, has changed immeasurably. You know, you've, you, you've, you've kind of, you know, for people on the outside who, who are like starting up a business or a band or whatever it might be, you've, you've done it. You know what I mean? You've started out with a whole new disruptive model. You've taken on the mainstream and now you've got all the success to, to show for it. And you're still true to your values. You've got a great product that's very well respected and loved on the streets. Um, has it changed you as a person at all? What, how has it changed your life? Is it like we all imagine it is that like once you get to the top of that mountain, it's all fucking awesome and life is great and you're, you know, you're, you're bathing in your millions? Or is it just you, you, you're the same guy, but now you've just got less time and more shit to do and more pressure and more stress? I mean, is it, is it what we imagine or is it something else? Great question. So for me, it's, it's never been about the money at all. And if it was about the money... I would have sold the business completely three or four years ago and I'd be like sitting on a beach somewhere drinking a cocktail and never have to do anything ever again. And I, that's not who I am. That's not what I want. For me, it's always been about like creating something, enduring something that we're proud of. So like myself and my team are given our kind of energy or time or commitment or passion. Like we want to build something and kind of look back in five, 10 years time and be proud to be part of that. Be proud to be part of a company that did something differently, that popped the climate, that changed the beer industry. And it's, it's nice to be successful. Um, I still live in the same place that I lived in before I was, <laughs> before I was successful. I still, I still do the same things. I still like my best friends to this day are the people that I used to work with on the, on the fishing boat. So I, I think my, my life and, and who I am has kind of changed very, very little and still so focused on like every single day I wake up just like I did in like the first the first week. It's like, this is what I love. This is my hobby. I get to do this as a job. I get to work with people 
I love. I get to make something that brings people joy, that brings people together, that they can find, <laughs> that they can find like enjoyment and relaxation and the beauty, the beauty in. I get to elevate the status of beer, which is something I'm insanely passionate about. So I wouldn't want to stop for a second. Hopefully I'm doing this in 5, 10, 15, 20 years time because it's something I absolutely adore. And the success is, this is ah, the success has been good, but it's still very much the same person in the same place. Try to do the same thing, just I guess with a bit more kind of personal <laughs> comfort, which which is nice. But um, the ability to the ability to scale, and I often kind of get asked by journalists and kind of people interviewing me, like, "What do I think of what we've done, what we've achieved, what we've built in the first fifteen years?" And I wouldn't say I'm callously indifferent to it, but I'm, I'm reasonably indifferent to it. So. For me, what is exciting is, okay, what can we do from from here? So we've built ourselves an amazing platform. We've now make beer and high-tech beautiful facilities in, in Scotland, in Columbus, Ohio, in Berlin, in Australia, in China, in Japan, in, in Ireland. We've now got distribution in 65 countries. We've got an equity punk community of 220,000. So what we've done so far, okay, what can we do from here? How can we turn our business into the world's leading beer company at the same time showing business can be a force for good flying the flag for sustainability and elevating the status of beer in as many people's lives as possible and that's what i'm excited about that that's what gets me out of bed every morning and that's what i'm determined to put everything in line to try and achieve over the next decade love it long may you continue man i mean how do you um i got one more personal question how do you manage your um, the practicalities of your insane workload then i mean do you get downtime <laughs> do you get rest time do you get to exercise because like i'm not flying at anywhere near the level you are man i'm you know i spend most of my time in the house in my pajamas like i am now you know like do it do a podcast i'm supposed to be writing my second book which i've been working on for fucking months and recording a new record right like i get to do you know all my favorite things in the house but even even i struggle to find time to meditate to exercise to eat well to visit my mum, to have some downtime and see the missus i can't imagine how hard that must be for you do you do you manage to do any of those things or is your life just fucking high speed no, I mean, I, I have to, and I think it's so, so important. And what I find if I don't make time to do those things, I don't take the best version of me to work. So if I don't take time to exercise, if I don't take time to kind of spend quality time with my daughters, if I don't ensure that I eat well, if I don't ensure that I sleep well, I'm also huge at the cold water immersion at the moment. So if I okay. don't make time to go in my, my, my bath, if I don't do those things, if I don't get enough outside time, like, I'm, I'm maybe like 70% of the ability and work ethic and like focus that I think I need to take to work. So it's almost if I'm building up the blocks of my time, obviously I want to be like, I work a lot, like a hell of a lot. And I want every hour that I work to be as effective as it possibly can be. But I know that over a course of a week, if I don't make time to do those other things, those hours that I work are not going to be as effective. Right. So it almost, I don't feel guilty about doing those things because I know that the work that I do is going to be better because I do those things that I enjoy and because I do those things that keep me, keep me healthy, keep me focused, keep me connected in such an important way of using my time. And I'm like so into time management. So every single human, regardless how successful they are, regardless of how much money they are, all gets 24 hours in a day. And for me, what determines to a large extent how successful someone is 
is how effectively they use their time over the course of a day. So mm. I do I do loads of things like I, I batch my meetings. I only reply to emails at certain times. And too many people, they just kind of, they have no structure to how they use their time. So they'll send an email, they'll do a phone call, they'll hop about. Right. And every time you switch tasks, it costs you focus, it costs you energy. It's a, it's kind of more likelihood to get distraction and it can throw a bit of kind of social media scrolling in at the same time. Yeah. So I, uh, I monitor how many minutes I use my phone a day. I monitor how many minutes I'm in social media a day. I track that, I record that, I try and keep that low so I can focus on other things. I spend a lot of time doing what I would call like deep focused work. So my favorite way to work is a do not disturb sign on my door with noise canceling headphones on. I give my phone to my assistant and I turn internet off and you need to create that space to focus because otherwise you're trying to do deep work, but at the same time you peck away at an inbox, you jump onto social media, you do a phone call. You need to create the space for that. And then I also like to block out significant amount of time to spend with my team, but I like to do that kind of back to back to back. So I'm in that mode where I need to be engaging, where I need to be a leader, where I need to connect with, with people. So thinking very consciously about how I use my time, how I structure that time, and how I minimize the opportunity cost of wasted time by switching between tasks and how I maximize the focus I have, I think really helps me. And the difference between a productive week and a, and a less productive week is absolutely massive. But then if you times that by 52, if you times that by 520 over a course of a decade. So I truly believe that these little things kind of add up if you do them again and again and mm. again. So kind of really disciplined, disciplined and structured in terms of how I use my time and kind of how I allocate the, the focus that I have. That is some great advice. Yeah. I mean, I'm guilty of a lot of those uh, errors myself, man. I'm trying to write a book and then I'll, I'll, I'll take, oh, I'm going to take a break. I'll go on Facebook and then half an hour later, you're like, okay, you know, it's like, what am I doing? So yeah, I'll be. Oh, wow. My uncle's got a new dog. Oh, it's a- oh that's really interesting. I'm going to spend half an hour talking about that. Yeah. 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 So uh, I'm guilty of that myself. So I'm, I'm going to take that away um, for, for sure because I got, I got yeah. a lot of shit that I got to get done. The best work that I always do is when I'm completely undistracted so you've got to like carve out a few hours at a time no internet no phone calls no connection nothing and you need to almost decouple your head from where things are so you can't and something i often say to the team and say say to myself as well you can't build the future if you're so concerned with what's happening at the moment so you've got to kind of create that space to be able to Mm. look ahead and and build something and i think I've got some good qualities as a CEO. I've probably got some things I need to work on as well. I think my strongest my strongest suit is that ability to kind of build something, create something, but you've got to give your head the space and time to be able to do that. That is great advice. Yeah, I will definitely be taking that on board myself. What do you get from the cold water therapy? Oh, I love it. So I started doing it about two years ago. I've actually, uh, one of the investments that I've made recently is in a company called Monk, which is designing a beautiful kind of ice bath to go in people's homes. And I originally started doing it to kind of help recover from from workout, from exercise. But what I'm really into now is the kind of mental health benefits. So every time you do it, regardless of how many times you've done it, it is it is still very difficult. But I've now got like a ice bath in uh, in, in in my home. So every morning I go in for two and a half three minutes, and the fact the kind of sense of accomplishment that you've done something that difficult first thing in the morning, and it's impossible not to feel good afterwards. You get kind of flooded with flooded with endorphins you kind of feel more alive than after you've had kind of two or three coffees but it's also kind of so beneficial for your heart for your muscles for your recovery but that kind of buzz that high that focus that kind of sense of accomplishment is uh 
it's always a very difficult two two minutes. And what I love about it as well, you've got to be exactly there. So you've got to be so focused and so present. If your head's somewhere else, you, you need to jump out right. after 10 seconds. You need to be calm. You need to slow your breathing down. I always find it difficult to meditate because my head's quite noisy. You can't have a noisy head when you're in cold water. You've got to be so calm, so focused, so relaxed, so so in that moment. So I think there's so many benefits. I think it's going to be the next it's quite niche at the moment. I think it's going to be the next big mainstream health thing that more and more people people do. And it's just got so, so many benefits. Um, also benefits in terms of kind of weight loss. It kind of eats up fat off your body as well. Um, benefits in terms of kind of reducing inflammation, reducing kind of aches and pains in your body. Um, if you exercise, if you work out, it massively speeds up recovery as well and huge amount of mental health benefits as well. So I would encourage everyone to do it and you don't need to have an ice bath. So I started by just doing kind of 15 seconds every day at the end of the shower on cold. And after a few weeks, you build it up to 30 seconds and 45 seconds, then in a minute. And if I'm traveling, if I'm in a hotel, if I don't have access to the ice bath itself, it's just two minutes full cold at the end of the shower and you get exactly the same benefits. You don't oh. even need to invest in anything and anyone can get the benefits. So it's, 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 it's tough. It's tough. But doing something tough kind of builds up mental resilience and everyone needs a kind of good, good amount of mental resilience, I think. So for me, it's a, it's a fantastic thing. And I would uh, <laughs> one of the things that I'd be kind of most reluctant to, to not do as part of my day. Well, you, you've convinced me to give it a go because a few people have mentioned it on the podcast and uh, it does sound like something I definitely need to do. But man, oh God, the idea of that just fills me with terror. So I'm gonna, I'll am gonna, i give it a try. I'll give it a try and I'll, I'll tweet about how I got on with it. Cool. Okay, let me, let me know. I'm excited to hear how you how you got on. It won't be good. And maybe if we do the podcast again, we can we can do it whilst we're uh, <laughs> up to the neck in ice water. Yes, and we'll have the aforementioned pint of Blackheart as well. That's the one. Let's do it. Sounds good. See how many minutes the podcast is. Maybe one or two. <laughs> uh, I think you'll win that. I'll be like, fuck this. I'm out of here, man. You, I'm more than happy for you to win. Well, James, I've got one last question before I let you go, because I'm going to try and let you get away early, because I know you've got shit to do. Um, we've got quite a few related themes in common. As I said, I'm in a band. My band is called James Kennedy and the Underdogs, which was taken from my book that came out in uh, in the lockdown, uh, My Life as a Rock and Roll Underdog. Uh, I was... I'm a political uh, punk rock band. My album is called Make Anger Great Again. I know you've got a thing called Make Earth Great Again. And also I've got a thing called The Doghouse, which is fans with flaws, basically. So when we're touring out and about, because we're like a DIY punk band, um, we've got um, a database of fans that put us up on their sofas and their floors. And it's called The Doghouse. So we've got quite a few dog-related themes there that come from my band name. I just wanted to double check. I'm not going to have the, I'm not going to get chewed up by the brew dog um, mafioso at any point, you know, am I? Or is the, uh, or is the head dog give me a green light and said it's okay uh you are all good and like some of those things that you just mentioned i kind of see so much resonance with what we do and i love some of those initiatives you're doing so i will definitely check out the band and check out the book oh thank you so much i'll send you some shit man i'll send you i'll send it to your assistant i'll get whatever the irrelevant po box is to send it to and i'll post it across well we can uh we can thank you by sending you some beer as well oh well i will never ever say no to that so thank you so much man i really appreciate it james i'm gonna let you go now man because i know you got loads of important shit to do thank you so so much for giving us your time today dropping all these pearls of knowledge and wisdom on us and thanks for quenching our thirst with all these gorgeous amber neck charmers over all these years as well and for sticking it to the big dogs and bringing a bit of punk rock to the pint glass so thank you so much man and i hope to see you again soon Awesome. Love the conversation. Uh, love the questions. And thanks for having me. Anytime at all, man. Thanks again, James. Speak to you soon, mate. Take care. Speak to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. There you go, guys. 
Raise your glasses and howl like drunken Dobermans for the main dog of the brew, Mr. James Watt. I hope you enjoyed that chat. That guy certainly knows his stuff, huh? He's got a lot to say and he does not mince his words. Um, there's a lot of great info and advice there, I think, for anyone running a, or starting a business or indeed a band or whatever. You know, it's very kind of James to share all of that wisdom so generously. And, uh, you know, I, I, unfortunately, I got so carried away with all the questions that I totally forgot to ask him, as I always do with the guests, you know, what is coming up from Brewdog HQ? Um, which fortunately, you know, these guys don't need my help with any promo, so I'm sure he's going to be okay about that. But as I mentioned earlier, the guys do have a creamy new addition to their arsenal of fun called Black Heart, which is absolutely fucking delicious stout and is available at all of their bars as of right now and also in can form at the supermarket. And I would 100% recommend that you go and sink one of those cold bad boys at the first opportunity. I know James and co have had a lot of criticism over the years for different things. And I know that they are divisive and I know that people are going to be saying to me, why didn't you grill them about this and grill them about that? You know, but uh, that's, you know, I'm not, I'm more interested in the wisdom and the learning opportunities. This ain't fucking Jeremy Paxman. You know what I mean? And I just think that BrewDog is such an interesting and unique entity in the world of business and what they've done is so interesting. So I'm much more interested in getting into the minds behind all that and the practical insights that you lucky bastards can gain from someone who's clearly supremely talented in areas that I and I'm guessing most of you motherfuckers are certainly not (laughs) so why not listen and learn you know what I'm saying you don't need me to tell you, but BrewDog are at BrewDog.com, at BrewDog on Twitter, and BrewDog Official on Instagram. And Mr. James Watt is at BrewDog James on Twitter and Instagram. So go and give him a follow. I hope you gained some useful ideas there and some definitely some food for thought. Uh, as always, do leave some comments, start a conversation, join a conversation, share the episode around, and let me know what you guys think. Don't forget to subscribe and join the Secret Society at jameskennedystuff.com slash tribe, and I will see you again next week with another awesome, awesome guest. Until next time, my friends, have a great week, fight the power, and I love you loads.